In today's episode, we're talking about customer experience from a game day perspective and a Fan365 point of view. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Flip the Switch, where we sit down with leaders in customer experience and employee experience, and we try to figure out what are the trends that they're paying attention to? What are the experiments that they're running? What are the principles that have helped drive success for them throughout their career? And we take all those things and we apply them to the world of sports and entertainment. Now, today, this is part of our College Athletics Leaders series, where we sit down with some of the most innovative minds in college athletics to do all the things that we just talked about. Now, today's episode, we are with Harris Buchanan, who is the Assistant Athletics Director for Marketing and Fan Experience for Ole Miss, and he's held that role since June 2020. Paris oversees the strategy for all 18 Rebel sports, and he directs the in-venue fan experience for home athletic events. Uh, he's point of contact for football, men's basketball, promotional efforts, uh, and he's really coordinating all of the department's digital marketing and advertising. Uh, in 2021, he and his staff were recognized by NACTA's uh, finalist. Uh, they were a finalist for NACTA's marketing team of the year. Uh, and obviously, if you're you're in the space, you know that it honors the nation's best marketing departments. So Paris and his team are doing some really innovative things around the game day experience. But as well, they're doing some interesting stuff from a data perspective to help drive those decisions, where a lot of times historically in our space, decisions on the fan have been based on the loudest voice on Twitter or things that me, we, we as administrators would merely want to see as a fan. But Paris and his team are doing a really good job focusing on letting the data guide their decisions uh, factored in with really understanding who their fans are. So we're going to talk a little bit about that in the episode. Um, before I steal any thunder, let's jump into this episode with Paris Buchanan. Paris, Katie, what's going on, guys? Happy Friday. Great. Happy Friday. Great to have you here, Paris. Thank you. It's great to be here. All right, let let us jump in. Um, we are going to jump right in here to fan engagement. Uh, Paris, you have done some really cool things with Ole Miss, so we want to hear about some of the really cool stuff that you guys have been working on over the last couple of years uh, and what you guys have coming up. Uh, but let's start here, right? So 2020, I think, really was the year that forced all of us as as marketing teams and marketers to totally think differently because not only was the way that we were engaging with our customers different, but their expectations of how they want to be uh, treated were totally changing. So when we think about that, I mean, what were some of the the more, um, I guess, what, what was kind of like your favorite virtual experience that you guys created for Rebel fans back in the last two years? Yeah, I, I, it was definitely a challenging year, I think, for everybody, uh, not just us in the sports industry. But, you know, for us, it was really like hitting the reset clock. Um, once the pandemic started, you kind of had to like kind of pause and say, okay, like what's what's really the most valuable thing for us to to kind of put out to connect with our fans and and keep our you know presence in, in the sports industry. But um, I think for us, we launched a, a program called the Home Team um, late in the summer. We kind of had to get a few months to like get it all together. Um, but it was kind of a one-stop shop where fans could, you know, get your infamous cutouts, uh, that everybody was ordering. Um, you know, you could cheer at home. So we had this app that we worked through, um, with a third-party company that you could actually participate, um, through your cell phone and, and cheer through the app, um, which would kind of blast over our speakers in Vault Hemingway Stadium. 
Um, we had other things like you could share Grove recipes. So that was a big part of missing out on tailgating. So we reached out to a lot of our, um, you know, longstanding season ticket holders who were in the Grove for, you know, 20, 30 years and posted those weekly, um, stadium playlists, things like that. So that was fun for us to kind of just put a small part of game day, you know, through our digital channels and let people kind of feel connected. It's awesome. Uh, I love to hear those different types of things that you guys were working on there. Um, how, outside of like kind of fans being hungry for content and connection with the teams, like what else did you guys really learn about your fans during that time where you were trying these new things? What it, I mean, it sounds kind of cliche, but for us, it was like really how much we valued our home field advantage with our, with our fans and just connecting with them. So when you kind of take away all that, you, you get kind of blindsided by just how, I mean, we knew it was important all along, but when you completely strip that down to kind of that base level, you kind of find out really quickly that just how much that means with the passion and energy from our fan base. So that was kind of a, a really a, a big piece for that. Um, and I know that's kind of a generic answer, but really it, when you strip down to the base layer, you, you kind of see what's really important and then how much you miss things when they're not there. So now that you've had all of these things that you incorporated into the time when your fans were away, you've got your full stadium back. How are you incorporating some of those things for the fans that may still not be in your stadium? You're, uh, you're bringing them into the fans who are in your stadium. How are you balancing that? That's a good question. And for us, it's all about, um, you know, we, we prioritize kind of two things. Certainly we're, we're in, in game experience is really important 20, you know, this past season when they're coming back, but, um, for sure. you know, for the fans that aren't coming back, that still maybe, you know, aren't able to for health reasons or for whatever reason that may be, you know, we want to keep them engaged too. So, um, you know, just shifting kind of our digital strategy, um, and making sure we connect to those people. Um, and it, it's, it's hard because now you're, you know, you're shifting to a lot, you know, those people that are coming back are still excited, but then there's a big segment of those that aren't. Um, and using our digital platform really to engage. Um, and that's important. And there's ways that, that we do that through our, you know, different apps that we have, different channels, but really our social and digital team done a good job to keep them connected um, kind of throughout the last 12 to 18 months. Where do you feel like on, on, on that front, I mean, where do you feel like you guys have differentiated yourselves from other schools? I mean, obviously like you're, you're really, you're not in a lot of competition with other schools for fans. Like if you're an Ole Miss fan, you're never going to be a, an Alabama fan or a Mississippi State fan, right? Like you're going to be an Ole Miss fan. But I think there's definitely some competitive spirit amongst you guys as administrators. So where do you feel like your team has done a standout job compared to some of the other schools? Uh, where have you guys been really innovative? I think for us, um, you know, we we kind of started that with with the in-game experience late in the year. We kind of looked at some ways we could do that. But, but from a 18, 12 to 18 month standpoint, I think our digital team has just done a really good job kind of being forefront, connecting, um, trolling, if you will, a little bit. Um, we've had a lot of fun with that and we've kind of embraced that with our football program. But but in all our different programs, you know, just being present and being relevant is huge. And it's so hard to do that in 2022, 2021. Yeah. Everybody's got something. If you're not on it that day, you lose it. You can't catch up. Everything's moving fast. So for us, I think I think our digital team have really, really kind of stood out um, in in a place where you know maybe our accounts for digital aren't as big or aren't as you know vast as some of these other programs in the SEC, but we try to hold our own, and, and we I think we've done that the last the last year. Has that required a major culture shift to be able to take on that persona of 
trolling fans or having a little bit more fun? How has your team been able to embrace that kind of attitude towards digital and social? Well, it, it you know, it kind of started when we hired our head coach, Lane Kiffin. And when he came in, we, we sat in a room and said, okay, guys, like we've, we have to embrace this new persona. Like you just said, we have to grasp it because this is what we've seen be successful in just some of the small things that we did early on. And so now we, we've kind of grown our content team. We, 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 we meet regularly. Um, and I think it's just fun. You know, people, we, for the longest time, college athletics has treated sports accounts with just a very rigid approach and, and there's not a lot of fun. It's brutal. In it. So we tried yeah. to, brutal. we tried to just, yeah, we want to, to make it engaging. Uh, have we swung and missed a few times? Sure. But in my opinion, if you don't do that, um, you're not going to be, you know, as innovative as you can be if you don't try new things. And, and I think, like I said, I'm, I'm partly involved in that, but our team, we have a great team here and we have a, a, a few staff members who that's their, their focus since football season is get that digital content up. And, um, they've just done a really, really good job. We've had fun with it. We've laughed, we've kind of had some hard days, but, uh, but it's been a really, really successful year. Now, is this just the approach for football or does this now stem into, and is it building off of the Lane Kiffin personality? Does that carry into your other sports as well? Yeah, we, we talk about that a lot and it, it doesn't. Um, I think it, it's important that you take the personality of your staff and where you are um, at the time. And so for us, our football strategy, I don't think works with our men's basketball team or, you know, our, our women's basketball team or our softball team. I think all of it is individualized based on the sport, based on the coach and their personality. Um, and, and I think we try to try to mimic that um, kind of voice um, through those different sport accounts. But we do kind of kind of keep them separated. OK, that's really interesting. And I'm going to have some pushback for you on there. Like for me. So like if Lane, if Lane leaves, you guys are going to change your brand voice. Well, and that's something we've certainly didn't want to talk about a lot, but it's, it's, it's on our minds. <laughs> I mean, that's gotta um, be a conversation we, that you're having behind the scenes, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, hopefully he's um, there forever. A, right. But, right. For a million more years and we win, you know, a hundred thousand more games, but, uh, but that's an interesting question. We've talked about that. And I think the answer is no. Um, I think now we've kind of established that with that kind of brand that we're building. Um, and so I think. Now, if we, let's say something happens, we do end up with a new football coach. Um, if that coach doesn't want that type of, you know, environment on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, yeah, I think you obviously have to go with your your, your leader and, and not kind of contradict what they're building. But at the same time, we would have a definite strong push on why we needed to keep that. Um, because in, in our minds, we have to grow our fan base. And to do that, we have to reach younger demographics who... Totally maybe see this as a, oh, well, and we've read a lot of different stuff, you know, like, oh, I'm an Ole Miss fan now because of the way they tweet. And that's great. Like we have to build that because we are, you know, we're chasing a little bit from just from sheer, sheer numbers of our alumni and, and our graduating students. Like we have to get a bigger fan base and we know that. And so this is part of that strategy. All right. I don't want to go too down, too far down this rabbit hole, but even then, like to me, your foot, I mean, maybe, maybe we're talking about football athletics. Maybe we're talking about the football account particular which i think we are so football account yes football coach is your leader uh, everything else for the bigger brand he's not he's an employee he's a, he's your most visible employee but that's my stance on it anyway Fair. all right we'll move we'll move on all right moving to uh you know I, I think i think this though carries into other things right of like being a little bit more personalized than where it used to be where it used to be we used to have this very static 
voice on social we used to do the same thing from like a game day experience of like keeping it very hey we're, we're creating an experience that applies to all people and because of that it's going to be bland it's going to be middle of the road we can't have too much seasoning because what if somebody doesn't like the seasoning whereas now it feels like you guys are doing a lot of things that are really personalized in that customer experience and some of the partnerships that you guys have engaged with like rebel xp has really allowed you guys to create a little bit more personalized experiences for fans on game day maybe talk about how you guys have taken this approach of personalization and integrated it into game day experience yeah i think you're seeing a real shift um in how you approach your your stadiums your experiences because you know 20 years ago it was all about who can have the biggest stadium? Who can have the, the biggest in the bright? And now you're, more and more stadiums are downsizing because they want more personalized experiences. They want more premium areas and offerings. And so that's kind of the shift that we're taking. We're not ripping out seats in Vault Hemingway right now, but we are, you know, with, with Revel, um, they've been awesome. And with these experiences that they've offered, you know, we, we signed, they signed on last year. So we didn't really get a full year with them. It was kind of a, a, a summer deal. So we kind of implemented what we could. But, you know, for us, it's it's given us more um, opportunities. So, for instance, at, at baseball this year, we're adding a premium area. We sold out of all our season tickets, and we have a demand for that. And so we're, we're putting one up out in outfield and right field. Um, it's a, you know, a cl- basically a brand new club opportunity for more premium seats. Um, and then, you know, they set up different hospitality areas around our walk of champions right outside the stadium. So having more opportunity for kind of a turnkey tailgate all in one type of offering there. So for that, that's good um, for us. We want to continue to push that. And and that's what we're planning right now is how do we take that model, improve it, um, and then add on to it. And so I think in year two, we have a lot of fun ideas that we're going to try to roll out. Um, but that planning has kind of already started. What do you feel like has been like the, the, the thing that fans have really resonated the most with for, as a part of that Revel XP partnership like what what have you what have you gotten the most letters on or the most positive compliments on yeah i think for for them you know they offered in an in suite um in stadium suite that was kind of near the field that was really exciting and a lot of people it took a couple of games for people to understand like what it is i mean you're you're talking like you're right on the field um drinks food you know all-inclusive type of feel so you're getting that kind of premium environment um, and that's been exciting, but I think just having like, you know, different, we had live music outside and that seems so simple. Like why, why would we not do that? You know? And so yeah. just kind of starting that little process, um, where we're thinking differently about, okay, it's not all about inside the, the stadium or inside the Grove. It's now kind of all encompassing. What can you provide in the Grove, outside the Grove and in the stadium and on game day? All right, so I'll fully admit I've never made it to the Grove. So for someone else who has not made it to the Grove, just how can you try to encapsulate the Grove experience and describe it to somebody who hasn't been there? Uh, well, we use the the phrase bucket list, and we don't we don't take it lightly because, you know, you guys mentioned Disney background, but it, it's it's a, it's an adult Disney, but it's it's magical. Like you you walk in and you're just kind of blown away by just how vast it is and how awesome it is. And I grew, you know, I've grown up around it. So I, I kind of sometimes just underappreciate it. And sometimes I'll be kind of on game day. I'll kind of make a stroll through and it'll just kind of hit me again. Wow. This isn't normal. This isn't normal for people to congregate like they do put chandeliers in their, in their tents, um, go all out and make it, you know, a social event and there's tailgating all around the country and especially in the SEC, um, a lot of people tailgate and that that's great. But no one does it better than what we do. And 
it's fun and it's a big, big part of our, our game day. And, and honestly, it's stuff that we have started realizing, you know, when you took a year off last year, no one could tailgate how important that piece is just to our fan base. And we knew that, but taking it away and then bringing it back just kind of, just kind of showed us how truly how awesome it is and how we should never, ever take it. for Love it. Um, all right. So let's get into a little bit more ideas. And then I want to, I wish we, we would be totally remiss if we didn't talk about all the work that you guys have done around data. Um, but still sticking with this customer experience aspect, if money were no object, what would be kind of like the first and second things that you would invest in to deliver that better customer experience? Well, I'm like, uh, kind of the tech innovation side. So that's my thing is I would, if I had, I don't know, $5 billion, that, that'd be great. Um, but the first thing I think I would really do is, you know, stadium infrastructure is a big piece. Um, a lot of our stadiums within, you know, within college football, they're historic, they're older. And so it's not like we're a pro team where we can just tear one down, build a new one and start over. That just, that doesn't exist in college athletics. So, but for me, like the bells and whistles that would keep fans coming back, we, the biggest thing we've been focusing on the last really heavily focused on the last 18 months is providing memorable experiences. So when you come in, no matter what the game, what happens in the outcome, we want fans saying, I've never seen that before, or wow, this was incredible. I can't wait to do this again or come back. And so um, for me, you know, just investing in that infrastructure to add bells and whistles, to make concourses bigger, um, to make concession lines more flow more easily. You know, a lot of stadiums that we looked at and been to and even ours it's they're just outdated for for the size of crowds that we're attracting so if i had all that money yeah i would completely renovate infrastructure and we're actually doing that we're really excited we're, we just launched a campaign um champions now to completely renovate our football stadium for one of the sides and it'll eventually you know come around but we're excited that'll that'll be in a couple of years and, and it's it's greatly needed um but we're super excited about kicking off that, that campaign. Um, we're about a month into it. And so I uh, got, got a little work to do, but we're really excited about that. Love it. Are you, as, a, as we think about some of the infrastructure projects, like, I mean, I, I look at some of the, some of my favorite projects. I mean, I'm biased, but like, I love Notre Dame's project because they got away with investing so much in infrastructure. Cause they're like, how could, how might we turn this building into a building that gets used year round and not just seven days a year. And if we can use it year round, we can, we can justify spending a lot more on the infrastructure. Are you guys taking into any of that into consideration as you're looking at some of this? Yeah. And we're honestly, we're so early in the process, um, that we are, you know, we launched the campaign, but I don't, it's going to be at least two years before we start. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Keith, our AD and, and all our facilities planning and our foundation group, they're, constantly studying, looking, because we want to make sure we do this right. Um, and so, but yeah, you're exactly right. If you, if you find that dual purpose, we, we, you know, we built a brand new, I say brand new, it's like five years old, but every time I walk in our basketball arena, the St. John Black Pavilion, I'm just kind of still blown away at just kind of how awesome it is to have something new and, and that you can use. And like you said, dual purpose. So we, we have a little work to do there to kind of attract more stuff in there, uh, concerts and things like that. But certainly we're working on that, um, for, you know, for future. All right, another another brainstorm one. If you could experiment with a pushback, or if you could experiment with a project and not get pushback from fans, what would it be? Like if you knew you weren't going to get that negative feedback, because I think a lot of times yeah. in college athletics that happens with us, where we're like, 
we think it's a good idea, but we think fans are going to roast the sports, so and maybe we're just not going to do it. Yeah, uh, uh, I love looking at ideas from other people and other places and organizations. But I think for for me personally, um, you know, I was kind of intrigued by the Carolina Panthers la- launched this hologram type mm-hmm. deal um, pregame where they had their their Panther jumping over the stadium. It was crazy. And so I would love to do that. Now, I'm not sure how our fans would react to that if they saw just something like clawing over everything. I don't I don't know how that would go. But I do think that technology now has given, you know, different organizations kind of a, a, an idea world that that wasn't possible 10 years ago, that you can really add these things in in, in venue to make people um, really want to show up. And so I know they did it. I think another NFL team had did it later in the, in the season. But hologram technology is stuff that it's so far out of my you know wheelhouse. But I love just to kind of see how that works. So you mentioned the Carolina Panthers. What are some of your other go-to sources of inspiration? What are where else are you tapping into new ideas for Ole Miss? I, I always try to look around. You know, I, it's really. NBA, NFL, they, those two groups for me, um, even MLB to some extent, but the NFL and the NBA have, there's such, a, it's an entertainment. It's, uh, it's more of um, those two organizations really do a good job at trying to push and push to make sure the fan experience is just that much better. Every year they, they come up with something new. Now their budgets are a lot bigger. We get that, but uh, we Budget try to mimic staffing. some stuff. Yeah, a lot more. And and also what's great about those organizations is they're just focused on, you know, one sport rather than college athletics where you have That's you know, a lot yes. a yeah. lot more. So uh there's certainly pros and cons to, to that. But uh but yeah, just looking at those two organizations, that that's kind of where I draw to, um, especially in venue and then also on the digital side as well. Got it. All right. Let's let's get into the good stuff. Uh we got you all warmed up talking about some like the the high level ideas and customer experience. I want to get into the data now. Uh, so you guys added a director of analytics and digital strategy to the team. And and when I when I've talked to people in those roles on at different departments and when we're working with different departments on on culture or customer experience or some of this fandom stuff, um, well, I realize that that position varies from team to team. So what oversight does this director of analytics and digital strategy role have at Ole Miss? Yeah, we we're really excited about this position. So we, we, we had it, but it was kind of outsourced for a little while. So we brought someone in-house to kind of manage that. Um, our, the role at the time, he actually just took a job, another job. So we're, we're rehiring that position. But for us, that position is someone who can just analyze all our data and, and for marketing side, help us kind of guide us to how we need to market to our fans, where our fans are, how they respond to certain things. So it's super, super important for us. Um, and, and helps kind of ease the burden off of me personally as a, as a marketing person and staff member to where instead of just shooting out information and hoping it sticks for season ticket sales, I can be more direct and have more data to clearly know I need to target this group. I need to target this location. I need to target the, this demographic rather than just kind of doing a one-stop you know hit. And so that's important for me. But the other part of it is just how we make decisions. Um, we use this position and this data in real time, you know, during football season, we had some instances where um, things didn't go so well in certain areas of our stadium. And we were able to analyze some of our fan feedback data that we had also kind of monitoring different. We don't like to, we're very particular about don't rely on social media to influence decision-making because we understand that's a, 
it's a whole nother world out there that that sometimes isn't the best. But it is important that when when kind of the same issue pops up a lot on one social media feed, we check it out, at least explore it to make sure we're not missing something. So um, that was important for us. And this position was really vital in that. What are some of the All ways right. that you're getting you the data this. during the season? Are you guys doing surveys after every game? Do they go to every single person as they're scanning tickets? How are you guys getting that data during the season? So we have, um, what we do is multiple times throughout each of our games, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, any kind of revenue uh, ticketed sport, um, we do PA announcements, you know, social media pushes, app alerts. So it's a feedback portal where fans can go in, they can put their information where they're sitting, what kind of issue it is, and then it comes directly to those individuals that can help. So if you have a ticket problem, you select the ticket issue, it goes to our ticket office. It's online, so you're doing a PA announcement saying go to this website and type in That's your right. feedback. Is that what it is? Okay. That's right. So it's a it's a form through our through our website. You go in, it's got little drop down menus of you know certain. There's about five or six categories, and there's a kind of a general other in case your your category is not listed. Um, and then what's great about it is like you know I'll, I get most of them, but we segmented different departments to handle different needs. So it's not like everybody's getting everything. Um, and, and it's been working, you know, we got, we can improve on it. Um, and, and we're looking at some ways to change some of that, uh, automated feature, but, um, but that's, that's one big way we can get it in real time. Got it. Now, when you said, uh, this, this role looks at all the data, what other data other than fan feedback type stuff, and you're doing some real time, uh, pieces, what other data is this person looking at? Well, or is, that, us, pri- or is that the primary? Role is, yeah, go ahead. Well, it's that, but it's also for us revenue streams. How do we how do we grow our revenue streams, and and what opportunities exist outside of what we're doing? And so this position is really key into into gathering all that information, where we can improve, what we can um, add on to, and then kind of putting it in front of our leadership team and saying, "Hey, I think this is a good idea. I think we should explore this. The return on investment would be this." Um, and so that's important for us. We. We've, you know, he, this, this role also handles our, our digital advertising. So we're looking at, you know, digital spin, media spin, where we put it, how it's going. And so that's, that's a big part as well. Got it. All right. I'm going to get, I'm going to get into some of the nitty gritty and I know Katie's got a bunch of questions here too. <laughs> um, all right. So you guys made a bunch of mid season changes this past year for football around concessions and some of the different operations pieces and we loved the announcements that came out with that unveiling it and we love that you were so swift with it and didn't wait until the end of the season and say oh well you know this season's complicated we'll we'll wait till next year you guys took action once you heard it love that um one talk to us about that process because i know that couldn't have been an easy process there being in college athletics i know that there are stakeholders in different parts of every organization that are like Hey, you know, this is, this is the way we're doing it. We planned all year for this. Why are we going to change stuff now? So how did you convince those leaders or get those leaders on board to, to change it? Talk to us about some of that change management process. Yeah. I mean, so it's no secret in the sports landscape this year, staffing issues were, were running abundant to every sport. It did every t- every away game we went to, everybody had staffing issues. So it wasn't just Ole Miss, but to our fans that honestly you, you could tell them that and that that's not a good that's just not a good excuse you know they, they want superior service and they expect it and we expect to provide that in our staff so um what we what we had to do specifically for concessions is 
we had just way too many lines and people were missing parts and chunks of the game that they were there to see. And so um, our, our facilities and game operations people were incredible. Um, our deputy AD kind of led the charge and said, okay, we got to fix this. So what do we do? So we put up beer guard, kind of a temporary deal. We put up um, extra queuing lines for different. We put up obviously more points of sale throughout the stadium in areas, high stress areas that we needed it. And so for us, our deputy and, and some of our other facilities and game ops people would literally walk around during the game and kind of pinpoint, um, you know, stress areas. And then also using our fan feedback and kind of modeling and saying, okay, they're submitting this area. We're seeing it with our own eyes. This is an issue. And so this is somewhere we need to improve on. So that was big for us. Um, did we fix it completely? No. Um, but what we're doing now in, in January is figuring out, okay, we have eight months to fix this permanently. Um, let's let's make sure we're we're making notes and taking action now rather than waiting until, like you said, October to kind of springboard this in and, and not disrupt people in, in their normal game day flow. So from what you added during this season, how are you planning on expanding on that? And what changes do you see on the horizon for 2022, if you can get into that? Sure. Um, you know, like, like I mentioned from the, from the concession side, we we're, we're planning on adding more points of sale and finding more permanent solutions than, than temporary. Um, that's one part, but, but starting in January, it's really a 365 day job. You don't just go to football season. And then when it ends, you say, okay, we'll pack up until the summer and then we start again. So that's really been a, a big change for us is just how do we how do we try to identify problems way out before they happen? And so just by those concession offerings, that's just one piece. But from the in-game side, we launched, um, we, we kind of added a deep, not kind of, we added a DJ, uh, we put him in our student section and we added kind of some flair into the middle of it. And, and we kind of wanted to see how it went. And so we received some good feedback on it. And so now for us, how do we add on that? How do we kind of go over the top with that? Um, and so we've kind of had some discussions um, the last few weeks and months about how do we make that just kind of an even bigger show. Um, so we're excited at kind of the opportunities there. Um, what we've kind of, or it's, you know, what we've looked at is people are coming for entertainment in a show now, along with the football game, rather than just showing up for a football game. So how do we provide that? And some of our kind of go-to is, you know, we're looking at a, at, at, concerts how do they how do they do their lighting how do they do their effects how does it translate to football uh, we certainly don't want to take away from the game but we want to add to it and so we're really excited about that initial conversation that we're starting i think it's going to look a lot different um in, in parts of our stadium and how it feels and looks um but that those are a couple of things we're looking at and, and then just your general like improvements on you know how does parking change with some construction on campus how does you know how does inner exiting work about to have to, you know, look at security measures entering the stadium that that might be an SEC policy. How do we incorporate that without disrupting everything? So all those little things piece together, but um, we're on the right track right now. And I think we, we're in a good spot, you know, far enough out that we can make positive, impactful changes. Technical question here, because I think it's relevant to everybody right now. What is y'all's planning process actually look like? Like, I, I mean, we're, like from an idea creation perspective, are you guys sitting on a Zoom and you're all just saying, who's got ideas and it bounces around? Or is there like a specific process that you guys have for collecting ideas, brainstorming ideas, delegating ideas? Yeah, no, I mean, give us any any specific frameworks that you have. Let us know. Great question. So 
I'll, I'll give you a real technical answer. So the, immediately following our last game against Mississippi State, um, or actually uh, Vanderbilt was our last home game, we literally were in a room 10 days after that game. And we had a list and said, okay, here are all the problems that happened this year, or maybe some ways that we can improve them. And, and, and we just like had each department come to this meeting in person and list out. And it took, it took three hours. I mean, it was, it was a lengthy discussion, uh, but we went through every little, I mean, everything. And so that helped us a lot because I don't think we had done that. Um, you know, we've done it in, in pieces and side meetings, but not together as a group. And so, you know, facilities told us what challenges we had with some of the marketing and fan experience and, and how we can improve that. And so doing that right when it's fresh really helped us. And so now we kind of have a guide of what we're calling our improvement list. And so we're, we're held accountable each week. All right, where do we stand on this? How's the conversation going? Where, and so having that checklist just to kind of go through it, um, and it's, it's vast. It's, it's not something we're going to just solve in a month. Um, but we now know kind of a guide on where we need to go and how we get there. And then, you know, by hopefully the summer, we're not scrambling um, like like a lot of schools, including us do every single yeah. year. Oh, we forgot to do this or that. Um, and that's helped us. That's helped us kind of guide us. Do you guys use I mean, this is this is a practice that we always incorporate whenever we're coming out of a brainstorm. And this is back from our, our Disney days is any kind of like feasibility matrix. I mean, well, so what I mean, I don't know if you guys use anything like that. I don't want to explain a concept that doesn't exist but or go ahead yeah honestly no, we don't um right now um yeah. but you know I've, I've heard of it i think that that's something yeah. that probably be a great idea honestly we um, we can we can i don't know maybe we can throw something together and link it to it in the show notes but i mean basically what we do is we just take all the ideas and we start to plot them on a uh investment versus impact matrix and that yeah. way you start to because yeah. you get you get that three hour list i mean you got 300 items there that you're going through and it's like <laughs> right we could spin our wheels fixing this one issue. And like, is that really going to impact the fan experience a lot? Or should we dedicate more to this higher impact activity kind of thing? So anyway, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to throw something together and, and link to it in the show notes um, for anybody listening. Um, Katie, what else you got? about the culture about that meeting. So if you're coming in, you're listening problems for three hours. I mean, that's got to be one, a demoralizing meeting. But two, I mean, if you're sitting there and facilities are saying problems that they have with some of the fan experience things and departments are starting to point fingers at each other, how do you come out of that meeting sharing where the issues are, but working towards a resolution and feeling like there's kind of hope at the end of that meeting? Who sets a tone for that, that meeting and how do you that, have that culture that you walk away feeling like there's something to be done here? That's a really great question. And, and I'll give you the honest answer. Our staff you work so many hours together. You, you become like brother, sister, family feuds, you know, it's like we, we, we take the gloves off, we go in, there's no egos involved. And so we know that like, literally we start that meeting saying, Hey, we're not going to fix everything, but let's come in here and try to try to really honestly, transparently talk about issues that, that we can fix. Um, and it doesn't matter if it's your department, somebody else's department. And so I really do you know, some people say, well, we have great team chemistry or our culture's great here with our, with our employees. But I do believe that we, we honestly work really well together. Um, we want the best for everybody's department. We want to try to work together to achieve things. So um, for us, that wasn't an issue. And some of that stuff, it wasn't like it was new. We had known about it, you know, from three games ago, two games ago, whatever that is. So it wasn't like a complete surprise. Now, some of it, we were like, okay, I hadn't heard that one before. 
Um, but for us, it's just all about collaboration and trying to trying to do what's best for our fans and for our student athletes and, and for our department. And that and that's the honest answer. Love it. Um, all right, we we talked a lot about game day. Uh, I do want to change course a little bit because it's something that we've been working on a little bit more and hearing a lot more from fan or from from different departments as being something is ultimately how do we engage with this fan 365 or whatnot so the reality is we're gonna have i think attendance is gonna continue to slightly decrease over the years they're just far more entertainment options and committing a whole day or a whole weekend to come is is less feasible to do every single weekend so how are you guys creating that driveway to driveway experience for the fan that is moving from the bedroom to the kitchen to the sofa what are you guys doing to influence or create emotional connections with that fan yeah and and i think that that is the scariest part of all our jobs is you look at attendance numbers and you're like okay we're not on a good trip no matter what we do no matter how many games that we win um you're seeing it decline and that's that's across the board and so for us using our digital channels, I think a lot of people, we talked about this earlier, connected with our, I'm going to use football example, but they connected with that tone and they're like, this is fun. You know, this is petty and I like it. I'm cool with this. And so that's kind of using those channels. But for us, we we partnered with FanMaker um, a year ago. We were really excited to work with them and using our Rebel Rewards app, which is our, you get rewarded for coming, but we also can send people at home, different options, whether it's trivia, whether it's interactive games to keep them connected. Um, and that's one outer layer way. But for us trying to use the other digital side, which is sharing our story through our video department, our productions team, I think is the best in the country and trying to show our student athletes side through that platform. Um, it's not all about, you know, they get to see, we have a, 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 a it's called the season. It's like a hard knocks documentary almost, but it goes through the whole year. Um, and it shows them obviously game day, but it'll show them going to class or playing a piano. What's their favorite hobby? Showing them at their apartment, playing video games, whatever that is. And I think our fans really connect to those student athletes rather than just the sport in general. So that's a big piece to that. And then other ways, um, we, we recently partnered with a, um, company called low six and it's a, it's a predictor game. So you're not connecting personally with the program, but you're connecting with it. And what you do is you kind of predict um, score. So, um, you know, will we win, you know, or will we have 10 rebounds this game? Will we shoot 18 free throws this game? And so we've really seen engagement rise there, um, especially even if the team isn't having success, um, people are still engaged with it because they can win prizes or things like that. So trying to use technology that's innovative and really pushing it directly to your fans, it's it's challenging, but we got to continue to do it. Like you said, just the attendance numbers are, are kind of scary there. Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree with you. I, I love what you guys are doing, starting to implement tech on on those different things. Some of the different uh, partners that you guys have brought on, like FanMaker. Um, I I do think just as we, with revenue numbers changing, it means or with attendance numbers changing, it means revenue numbers are going to start to change. So we've got to figure out how can we capitalize on this rabid fandom. Just because they're not coming to the game doesn't mean they're less of a fan. Or I mean. There might be different levels right. of fans, right? But it doesn't mean they're not a fan. How can we generate some revenue from them digitally uh, or when they're not here on site? And I think guys like you and girls uh, like some of the, like Leah Beasley, who we've talked to a bunch, uh, I mean, Mississippi State, but that's all right. Uh, no, Leah's great. We, she's a big fan. Big fan. <laughs> yeah. in, 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 in little in-state rivalry there. Uh, but I think there are a lot of people that are in the industry uh, that are up and coming that are really starting to think like this. And uh, so I applaud all the work that you guys have been doing. 
Uh, Paris, well, any final words of advice for our listeners, uh, knowing that we got a bunch of your peers around the country who have been on the show, who listen to the show, um, any words of advice or things that you want to make sure people hear, uh, before we jump off? I, I, I mean, I think that for us just in the industry, it, it's been tough. You know, the last two years have been really, really challenging, not just from the pandemic standpoint, but from the work hours and the crazy, just, you know, turned, uh, Every time I turn around, another so someone in the sports industry is now leaving the sports industry. So I think for us, just like keeping a level head and saying, "Hey, this is this is a job that's that's awesome, and that we get to do, we get to do, and we're allowed to do it, and to work in in these college environments and even pro environments just is really really a cool deal." And I, I just hope that people will continue to push forward. We're going to get through this, and uh, as as most everybody around the world is saying. So I think that's the other takeaway is just trying to just to, to stay positive and, and work really hard to get kind of this, this thing going back to where we were in, you know, 2019. Uh, it's a, it's a great point. And something we've done a lot of, we've done a lot of time, uh, working on with different clients. And, uh, we just did a couple episodes on kind of the great resignation and how that's impacting sports specifically. We'll, we'll link to, uh, some of the articles and whatnot that have come out of those conversations and show notes, but uh, Paris, it's been great having you on, man. I, I really appreciate our time together. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. We'll talk soon, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hey, guys. Before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue, so when you're with us, Hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.